I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the Movie, Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome Hello. to the official podcast of the Gibson Review. In every episode, we talk about our week in review, or the week in review, what movies and TV shows we've been watching since the last episode, move on to our main event, which is a main topic of discussion or main review, and finish up with film faves, our respective lists of our 12 favorite films around a particular topic, often marching back through time. In this episode, uh, first of all, when you are listening to this, it will have just passed with Christmas. No. I'm kidding. I'm just really excited for Christmas. (laughs) Thanksgiving weekend will have just passed. So hopefully you all had a lovely holiday and uh, did some safe shopping out there as well. For us, because of our schedules, we are recording this in advance of the holiday. But in our episode, we're going to do a brief week in review segment move on to our winter movie preview as the main event and then film faves will finally wrap up the 90s with our favorite films of the decade uh, streaming only so we have a lot to uh, go over bear with us as as we will be playing with our format in the next few episodes we almost didn't have a week in review in this episode uh, but we had a couple things to squeeze in. So off we go. The first of all in our week in review, Shan, you wanted to talk about a double feature we watched that was uh, two Star Wars films, right? Star Wars Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. What sort of uh, thoughts did you have about... I really enjoyed that we did this as a double feature. I think putting six and seven together is really exciting. And it shows, you know, there's a whole lot of space between when they were created and they're created by different people and they feature different people. And that makes it very interesting to watch. But here in the commentaries was especially fun because number six, you had George Lucas speaking with Carrie Fisher like popping in and laughing every few minutes. Yeah, I think she had like basically three things to say in the entire yeah. commentary. But it was other couple. There was a couple other people who uh, spoke. Like Brett, I think his name is Brett Burt, who was the sound design. Oh God, person. he was awesome to listen to. Mm-hmm. But what I wanted to say about George Lucas was it was really funny because he was working on Phant- He had just finished Phantom Menace. Oh really? Okay. I always was doing it, and he was like, and then. I figured we have like this computer generated character that looks so good because that's what I wanted and it's really interesting because there's different opinions about that. Yeah, and actually the, now that you mention it, I think he did just the He was uh, so excited. The original trill or the prequel trilogy had been released and he um, had made some comments reflecting that and how he was interested in seeing in his opinion, the series in its proper order went through six, mm. uh, and seen particularly when he's talking about uh, Darth Vader's story mm-hmm. and uh, Luke Skywalker's story. So yeah, that's that's about right in the timing there. Yeah, and it was just interesting watching you know how effects have changed. The lighting is very different between the two movies, mm-hmm. so you've got very monochromatic lighting happening in number six and then in number seven it's like freaking alive because jj abrams 
you've got these different color gels happening and not only do you have color gels happening in the backgrounds you've got them reflecting onto all the stormtroopers reflecting onto kylo ren mm. which i guess you know if you think about it those who have studied photography like the history of photography it was very important to not have a lot of things reflected in movies and then here, so I can understand that they would be very, like, keep everything monochromatic and we'll be fine mm-hmm. with regards to reflection on Darth Vader. And then in here, like, you can just tell they just opened it up and it just looks so vibrant. Mm-hmm. And then Chewie's really interesting because Chewie is really ruffled in the uh, number six. Mm-hmm. But in the number seven, he's really quite glossy. Mm-hmm. And that's really fun. And I also didn't realize this, but Princess Leia, she's a kick-ass from the very beginning. Like, she didn't have to really go through an arc to be kick-ass. So mm. that was very interesting. I have other thoughts, but we only have so much time. Maybe we can do a Star Wars episode one day. Yeah, I I will just say that the commentaries were interesting. I would have liked more participants in the J.J. Abrams commentary of The Force Awakens. I do think it's really weird watching the Return of the Jedi and then The Force Awakens in terms of the original characters because, well, first of all, it's, it's actually worth noting that The Force Awakens focuses on new characters, uh, uh, not the original characters. The original characters get introduced at least a half an hour in. And I think that's fairly fascinating if you watch the movies in order. Mm-hmm. But also, it's, it's just really weird because... You watch Carrie Fisher in Return of the Jedi, and for me, once you see her revealed in The Force Awakens, she looks like a completely different person. You know, if you're looking in terms of, as a character, Princess Leia, Princess Leia, she's been through a lot in those 30 years as a, as a general or someone who, who has kind of come into her own, taking over the, the rebellion and, the, and now the resistance or, you know, everything she must have gone through in that time. It well, shows also, on her face, man. Well, let's be honest. She also had a child, and that always changes a woman. I suppose. And not only was it a child, it was a child that's gone to the dark side. So, mm. Yeah, so uh, it's an interesting watch, the, those two movies back-to-back, back, uh, for sure. Next, we watched... The Kindergarten Teacher. Yes, starring Maggie Gyllenhaal. It is a remake of... A, I think, Iranian film from 2011, which I haven't seen yet, but basically it is about a kindergarten teacher who thinks that one of her students is a poetry prodigy and becomes gradually more and more obsessive about nurturing and uh, growing this child's talent. Shanna, what did you think of... The kindergarten teacher. Cinematography wise, it was very well put together. There's a beautiful theme of blues happening and that's very calming to a very it's a very tense situation because it does her her behavior does escalate into a dangerous place. Mm. I loved the movie. I thought the performances were really great. I thought that the story was really interesting. I'd love to see the original. I think that that would be fascinating to see to learn about the cultural differences if you're contrasting the two films. I thought that it was a great film to look at if you need to grasp the concept of what is predatory behavior with children. Nothing sexual happens, and that's not a spoiler. I'm just 
letting people know that's not the direction I'm heading with this point. What predators are known to do is they test the boundaries. They'll test it a little bit and then a little bit and then a little bit. And they kind of sneak their way into relationships or gaining trust, uh, you know, making others not look so good so that they can step into that place that they need to take control of the situation. And so it was very interesting to see that kind of behavior um, especially with how the film unfolds at the very end. Well, and I, I will say, not to talk in too much depth or spoil anything, mm. but I don't think she thinks of herself or has any intention of being a predator, too. So I don't want to, I don't want to mislead anybody going into to the film. I but, think you have a point. Yeah. But um, what you're what you're saying is applicable yes. to what happens in the in the plot of the story. So. Uh, that is interesting. I think she's also just very desperate and very upset with how her life has turned out. So it's kind of this interesting, you know how sometimes a parent will see their child, the talent that their child has, and they'll be so excited, so overly excited that Mm. they'll make their child their life. Mm. So it's kind of like that too. There's little hints of that, if that's helpful. I will say that I love Maggie Gyllenhaal. I think she's a, a very interesting actress. She makes very interesting choices. I named her the best actress of the last decade. And I think she's kind of proven herself still worthy of that in, in some ways because she makes very interesting and challenging decisions. Uh, this is one of them. Uh, this is a very well-acted film. It's a very well-made film. It is not a film that I enjoyed. In fact, I found this film to be more uncomfortable and more difficult to get through than some horror films I've seen. Uh, I was very, very... You were very on the edge of your seat. It did not take long for me to start becoming uncomfortable with what was happening. I could see what was happening very early on. I think by the first half hour, I was like, "Mm -mm, mm-mm, 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 nope. And just like completely, you know, like not tied up in knots. You know, it, it's interesting because you have a character who is the main character and isn't necessarily a character you can go along with, can necessarily sympathize with. You kind of understand where she's coming from. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of inferring that we make about her and about her life based on based on the performances, based on little pieces of information we have about about Maggie Gyllenhaal's character. And so it definitely is for a more intellectual audience who's interested in those uh, movies that don't spoon-feed everything to you. It's not an overly acted film. It's not an on-the-nose film, I wouldn't say, in various ways. This is not a traditional Hollywood film, but it is an interesting one, and it is on Netflix. Moving right along, the last movie we watched was Leave No Trace, which is directed by Deborah Granick. We've talked about Deborah Granick before because of her film Winter's Bone from 2010. I believe that came up in our 2010 Film Faves episode. Oh, I'm sure it did. <laughs> and she's also come up in our episodes about female directors and and such uh, F-rated films and things like that. 
This is the first film since Winter's Bone. Aside from a documentary she directed a couple years after Winter's Bone, but her first narrative film stars Ben Foster and Thomasina McKenzie as father and daughter who live in the woods and in Oregon, Northern Oregon, and their life gets interrupted by society. Shanna, what were your thoughts about Leave No Trace, which was, by the way, the best-reviewed film of the summer? Well, I would love to share my comments, but I think it would be really great if we heard from you first in this case, because this is one of your favorite directors. Well, I think, she, I don't know about favorite, but I do think she is a very interesting director. And I think she's someone that, like, I will absolutely pay attention to. Just like Kelly Reichardt or, uh, you know, some of the other uh, female directors uh, who've emerged over the past 15 years. If she comes out with a movie, especially since it's so hard for her to get her movies financed, uh, I'm going to pay attention to what it is, for sure. I think she's an interesting director because she's kind of proven herself to tell stories about people who are on the fringes of society that we don't normally hear their stories. And this isn't any exception. You know, these are people who choose to be homeless. It's not a film about homelessness in the grand picture of things. It's a very microcosmic look at people who, who choose to be homeless. This, they prefer to be off the grid. And I think... I think that's a better description. Yeah. It's not necessarily homeless, but off the grid. Yeah. that's uh, Away from society. I mean, they want to live by camping, right? Yeah. You know, so I think it's a very well-acted film by Ben Foster and uh, Thomasina McKenzie, Dale Dickey make a, makes an appearance. Who, if you're uh, if you're familiar with Winter's Bone, it's kind of yay Dale Dickey. It's very quiet film, and it's very finely made film. I I really did appreciate Leave No Trace. Now, what were your thoughts, love? Well, I I agree with you. It was a quiet film. It was a quiet, interesting, strong look into a life resulting from PTSD. Mm. And it, it brings about a lot of questions when we see it because it's like, well, they aren't really hurting anyone. Right. They're not hurting each other. Right. And it's actually kind of appealing to some extent. There's to be nothing able, unhealthy about yeah, what they're doing. It's, it's actually really appealing you know, to be able to connect with nature that strongly, mm-hmm. to know what's what there and mm-hmm. what to do and... You know, I find that we're relying on so many other people nowadays. We rely on people for our food. We rely on other people for medical. And it, it's really nice to actually learn all that stuff for yourself. And it, when we watch the extra features uh, about, you know, they needed to go through survival training from an expert, mm-hmm. I was like, I want to do that <laughs> just to know. It's so interesting. Also, it's interesting. The intention of the filmmaker was, you know, these are people who are connected to nature and and apparently it was intended to kind of show and demonstrate how disconnected we are from nature and basic survival skills and mm. you know it kind of is 
in support of these two characters in that way, in the sense that these people know how to survive. Yeah. And uh, they are connected with nature. They know things about you know nature, what's, what's okay to eat, what's not, how you make something okay to eat. How do you, you know? get water from different sources? Yeah, and I thought that was interesting because that's not the kind of things I took away most from the film, but I do find it interesting that that's what the movie was um, intended to be interested in telling too. I think the most important thing I took away from this film is why are we as long as people are safe and that's what they want yep. why are we why are we interfering yeah right Please why stop. aren't they able to live freely yeah how they want to live and and it, it actually sparks a debate in terms of like you know is it okay to live that way is it okay to raise somebody like that you know that sort of thing you know it, I, I certainly couldn't but I totally support someone who would. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, hey, can I trade like eggs for you to train my kid? Right. <laughs> you know? yeah. I would, I would, you know, adapt to that. Sure. And... Yeah. So that's Leave No Trace, directed by Deborah Granick, and that wraps up our week in review segment. And now it's time for our main event, which is the winter movie preview. So whenever we do these movie previews, what we like to do is go kind of handle them month by month, right? So uh, I'll go through and I'll list the movies that are coming out in a particular month, who, what they are, who they star, if anybody of interest is directing them, and then we'll go through and talk about of those movies, you know, which ones are exciting us the most. And we do three-month blocks. So winter movie preview will cover December, January, and February. So let's dive right on in, shall we? First of all, with December, we have Mary, Queen of Scots, directed by Josie Rourke, starring Sir Ronan and Margot Robbie about the feud between Queen Elizabeth and Mary, uh, Queen of Scotland. Then we have that same weekend, a movie called The Silence, which stars Miranda Otto and Stanley Tucci, and apparently is about uh, aliens who prey on uh, sound, basically. If you make a sound, you're going to die. And so these people have to be very, very quiet. It's based on a novel of the same name by Tim Lebon. And that's all the information I have so far on that one. Then we also have Ben is Back, which is directed by Peter Hedges and written by Peter Hedges, starring Lucas Hedges and Julia Roberts. About Julia Roberts' uh, son, or she plays a mom, whose son comes back from rehab during the holiday season and the challenges of dealing with with a son who's an addict and trying to adjust to life uh almost sounds like rachel getting married the male version on paper but uh, if you watch the trailer it's a little bit more than that for sure the following weekend we have mortal engines now this is produced by Peter Jackson and written by Peter Jackson, Fran Walsh, and Philippa Boyens, who that was a trio who brought you Lloyd of the Rings. This uh, stars mostly a cast I'm not familiar with, but Hugo Weaving is revealed to be the villain of the film. Uh, Sci fi action adventure, visual spectacle, something about cities being machines, and of course, there's one person who might have 
the secret to some nefarious plots and might be able to save the day. Then you have Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, an animated film from Sony that combines a variety of different Spider-Men. Uh, this was co-written by Phil Lord of Miller and Lord Duo. It stars Shamik Moore from Dope, Haley Steinfeld, Marshala Ali, Jake Johnson, Leah Shriver, Lily Tomlin, and Nicolas Cage. Then we have The Mule, which is Clint Eastwood's latest effort, uh, starring Clint Eastwood, as always, almost. Uh, Bradley Cooper, Lawrence Fishburne, Michael Pena, Diane Weist, and Andy Garcia, about an old man who must, uh, I think it's drugs, he must kind of be act as a mule of in his pickup truck. <laughs> mm. Oh, and you got the same old squinty old Clint Eastwood doing that. Following weekend, Mary Poppins returns. Yes, Mary Poppins is returning. I don't know if you have seen the trailers everywhere about this. Directed by Rob Marshall. <laughs> Mar Marshall is directing uh, He of Into the Woods in Chicago, starring Emily Blunt as the titular character, taking over from Julie Andrews. Lin-Manuel Miranda stars. Ben Wishaw and Emily Mortimer plays the, uh, what's the, the name of the family? The Banks family. The, the, so they star as the Banks children. children. Yep. Uh, Dick Van Dyke surprisingly makes an appearance. Colin first, Meryl Streep, and I was right, Angela Lansbury, you catch a glimpse uh, of in the trailer. There? Also, Aquaman, the latest DC film, star, uh, directed by James Wan of the Saw series and The Conjuring. I thought you were going to say the Saucy series. <laughs> No, I'm not familiar. That's a you are watching completely different movies than I am lately. Even. Anyway, Jason Momoa, Amber Heard, Willem Dafoe, Patrick Wilson, Dolph Lundgren, and Nicole Kidman star in that action film. Bumblebee. Yes, we have more Transformers films. This is not a movie about bees, rather the Transformers character, starring Haley Steinfeld, directed by someone I'm not familiar with named Travis Knight. Also stars John Senna. Cena. And that's about it. Oh, Pamela Adlon apparently stars in it John as well. Cena. Very good, lovey. Thank you for that. Welcome <laughs> to Marwin is coming out. That is Finally. Directed by Robert Zemeckis. Oh, any movie lover should know that name with no explanation. Steve Carell, Leslie Mann, Diane Kruger, Janelle Monet, and Gwendolyn Christie all star in this film. About a guy who has, he suffered a terrible trauma of an uh, assault, a drunken assault. It's messed with his brain. And the only way he copes is by creating like this like miniature town sort of thing in his backyard. There's a, a documentary that's reported to be wonderful called Marwin Call um, about this actual real life person and his story. I hope to catch up to that. And this is the narrative film about that person. And then we have the latest Jennifer Lopez movie, Second Act, which I think we might have talked about in our fall movie preview. I believe it got bumped to the Christmas season. That stars Jennifer Lopez, Leia Remini, and Milo Ventimiglia. I have a hard time with that name. He's the guy, he stars in This Is Us and stuff. Treat Williams and Larry Miller also star, and this is basically a, a starting over. Women can do what they want in their career kind of movie. 
Um, when Jennifer Lopez gets passed over for a promotion, she decides to basically fuck off and do her own thing. Um, Actually, someone interferes with her curriculum vitae. Aha! Thank you. Very good. I'm going to push your glasses up a little. <laughs> I didn't even wear glasses. You're the one with the glasses. <laughs> uh, and for Christmas, we have a couple. We have a bunch. Like, they're dumping movies here. Um, Holmes and Watson, the latest comedy with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley as the titular characters. Also, Rebecca Hall, Ralph Fiennes, Rafe Fiennes, I mean, Kelly McDonald, Hugh Laurie, directed by Ethan Cohen, that wonderful director of the Garfield movie. Yes? Parents, please be responsible and let your children see the original Sherlock Holmes and Watson series of any kind. I was going to say, if you say the of original is Robert Downey Jr. one, I'm no, going to slap you. No, just <laughs> let them see, like, like, the normal stories first before yeah. you take them to this. Please read, be responsible. Read the books. Uh, it is very silly. Then we have Vice. Adam McKay coming back from the big short. We're hitting hard with another comedy drama based on real life. Christian Bale stars Adams, uh, Amy Adams, Steve Carell, Sam Rockwell, Allison Pill, Jesse Plemons, Bill Pullman, Tyler Perry in a film about Dick Cheney and uh, him joining the Bush administration. It's um, very chilling trailer yes Very steve chilling. carell plays donald rumsfeld christian bale as unrecognizable as dick cheney nailing that man uh down I actually thought it was jeff daniels uh under all that makeup very very interesting on the basis of sex directed by mimi leader starring felicity jones army hammer justin thoreau Sam Waterston and Kathy Bates. This is a film about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her uh, pivotal court case that takes place in the 60s that kind of helped really take her career off. Then we finally have Destroyer, directed by, I'm hoping I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pronounce, I want to say Karen, but I'm pretty sure accurately it's Karen Kusama, director of Jennifer's Body and Girl Fights. This film stars Nicole Kidman, Tatiana Maslany, Sebastian Stan, Toby Kebbell also. And it's a crime thriller. Oh, that looked so magnificent. I don't know exactly what the story is, per se, but the trailer... Looks like she's undercover. It features a a completely transformed Nicole Kidman one in, in a way that you've never seen her before. Um, oh, here's the premise. LAPD detective Aaron Britt as a young cop was placed undercover with a gang in the California desert with tragic results. When the leader of that gang reemerges many years later, she must work her way back through the remaining members and enter her own history with them to finally retcon, reckon, well, not retcon, <laughs> reckon with the demons that destroyed her past. I bet she'd like to retcon her demons. Anyway, so that's December. Shanna, that is quite a darn list. In one month, what are you most excited about? I am most excited. I mean, I'm really happy at the lineup that's coming. I'm even curious about the the Sherlock Holmes one. Really? Well, because I've seen a lot of Sherlock Holmes stuff, so it makes sense that I go check that out and have a little giggle. What I'm most excited about are these three. I'm really excited about Mary Queen of Scots. I feel like I'm just fascinated with, with... you know, Margot Robbie and Saoirse, mm-hmm. 
they just they look so powerful they look so amazing they look so poised it just it just looks like a divine time <laughs> so <laughs> Um, however, I was just reading a bit of history between the two of them, and uh, not between Margot Robbie and <laughs> Saoirse, but between you know Queen Elizabeth and you know Mary Queen of Scots, and it doesn't look pretty. So I'm a little worried now. My stomach even feels like a little flip floppy. I find that interesting because if I'm reading correctly, the director Josie Rourke, apparently she's a well-established theater director, and she might be making her film debut if i'm understanding this correctly uh so that's kind of exciting too bringing a sort of stage oh well that explains why there's so much power projecting from them mm. even if they're just standing there so yeah. that's going to be very exciting okay. i will watch anything that that person makes <laughs> so the next one i'm really excited about is of course on the basis of sex i mean what a great uh, what a great story it just it looks like a great cast it looks mm. powerful it's like it's the month of powerful woman <laughs> <laughs> we just watched the documentary of rbg so i'm very excited to see what's going to happen in this film it looks like you know you you just see the first shot and it's kind of like what the post was like where you just see this sea of men and then one woman mm. so i'm very i'm very excited about that and then number three for me is destroyer when i saw nicole kidman and i could tell it was her eyes but i wasn't entirely sure i was like oh my fucking god she's yeah. going to get nominated for an oscar <laughs> okay. you know just just from the physical transformation and yeah. well uh, we saw that with the hours and she had far less of a transformation in that film. <laughs> so I'm very excited to see this yeah. and and find out what it's like. What about you? Yeah, those are really great picks. I, I am excited about those as well. But I'm going to pick, first of all, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, a film that I was very mm. reluctant about. I was like, what the fuck is this? I don't know. Like, Looks this really is gonna fun. Be weird. And the more trailers I've seen on it, the more sold I am on it. At least the more curious I am. You know, having all these sp different Spider-Man, this is really diving into territory that you would think would be way too complicated for a film to try to tackle. Uh, this is very common comic book stuff, uh, but it's a little complex and difficult for your average movie audience to follow. So I'm, I'm curious about that. And of course, you know, Miles Morales, a character that Spider-Man fans for years have championed getting onto the big screen. Um, I hope they don't think of the animation this and this story being a concession in any way and uh, end up uh, being pleased with it. So th and then also, I can't not be excited about Aquaman. Aquaman was the best thing about uh, the Justice League movie, roughly. Yeah, um, and Wonder Woman. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was Aquaman's, like first time really being on screen and having any screen time and he was one of the more entertaining and fun things about that movie can we just take his scenes out and watch that in the clip <laughs> yeah so i i haven't seen anything from the trailer that concerns me worries me just plain excites me i'm very interested in in seeing what we have here from james Wan of all people you know he did the Fast and Furious 7, not Furious 8. I think he did Furious 7, if I remember correctly. And I enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, that was almost like, I don't want to say training ground, because uh, that was a complex action film in very many ways in, in its own. 
but he's taken it to the next level, I would say, here, for sure. Less practical, more CGI action. Um, excited about that. And then lastly, Vice. I hadn't heard about this movie till what, last night, I think it was? Oh, or you the night hadn't? Before. And okay. this was not on my radar at all. I saw the trailer, and I am sold. I am very interested. This is going to be one of my most... Well, obviously, I mentioned it. So it is one of my most anticipated movies of, of the season, and definitely of December. So I'm looking forward to, to that. Let's move on to January, shall we? January is an interesting month because I think largely you're going to see movies that were in limited release in December are come, going to be opening up in January. The, uh, otherwise, the release schedule in January is very, very minimal. Let's go through it really quickly. We have Eli... Which looks like a demonic horror film uh, directed by Siren Foy and stars Lily Taylor. We then have Escape Room, which is also an interesting little horror film about a group of individuals who get stuck in an escape room and realize this is a life or death scenario and gets very, very creative, very, very creepy, and it just might make escape room sales go down for a while. <laughs> It stars Deborah Ann Wool from the Daredevil series. Uh, the following weekend, we have The Upside, which is directed by Neil Berger, who did that film with Bradley Cooper called Limitless a few years back. This stars Brian Cranston, Kevin Hart, and Nicole Kidman. Uh, if I remember correctly, Kevin Hart takes the job of basically caretaking Brian Cranston, who I can't remember what his illness is, but he's wheelchair-bound essentially and, and paralyzed feels looks like a feel-good kind of movie speaking of feel-good going a little feel-good we have a dog's way home directed by charles martin smith who i love kind of a character actor turned director over the years this stars edward james almost alexander ship ashley judd and wes studi it's basically about a dog who's trying to find her owner and we have glass the latest film by M. Night Shyamalan, starring James McAvoy, Bruce Willis, Samuel L. Jackson, Sarah Paulson, Anya Taylor-Joy, and I feel like the less I say, the better, in case people aren't all caught up on their Shyamalan movies. Um, That's a good idea. I think I'll, I'll just leave it at that. And then we have the latest film by Joe Cornish, uh, director of Attack the Block, and I believe he co-directed... The, or maybe he just co-wrote the the Tintin movie a few years back, that animated oh, yeah. uh, mocap movie. I can't yeah. remember the name. Adventures of Tintin or something like that. Anyway, he has a kind of a family fantasy film called The Kid Who Would Be King. It stars practically nobody I know except Rebecca Ferguson and Patrick Stewart. Well, it's all British talents. It is. So. It is, yes, yes. And we know... That uh, you know nothing of, about yes, the British. I know nothing about the Nothing British. about the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's a big fantasy adventure action film. And that's pretty much it for January. So, Shanna, what... There's not much happening in January. No, there's, there's not. not much getting me excited. In fact, there's only two things that are getting me excited, and that's Gloss. Uh-huh. I'm just really tickled to see that yeah because it looks freaking fantastic yeah and jarring and shiver up my spine okay kind of all right feelings i wish i could i wish i, I that is the probably the film i'm looking forward to most mm. i want to pile on 
but in order to pile on, I'd have to like reveal things. Well, and I feel like talking about how you know. I guess like, the only thing I can say yeah. is it is a sequel to Unbreakable. I can say that. Yes. Without re- revealing anything. That's a good and idea. If you've seen Unbreakable, you automatically know the the word glass means a lot to you. So. Mm. That is exciting. I'm a big fan of Unbreakable, and I can say I can say that, and that is why I'm really excited about this. And we're gonna get our son caught up so that he can go watch this film with us, uh, right? Okay. Wasn't well, that the plan? Sure. Okay, I was I wasn't sure. Okay. <laughs> if I was missing something. Anything else exciting you? you I last. I am looking forward to the king who would be uh, the. The king who would be kid. As if that ever happens. Shame. Poor royalty. Uh, so the the kid who would be king. Yeah. It looks absolutely fascinating. And yeah. I love the Brits talking as they do. And, they you know, do. I grew up with watching BBC. So this is really fun for me. And I like seeing that the they're taking a beloved story of theirs and mm. renewing it. It's Yeah, which is, by the way, I should say, the whole Arthurian legend. I don't think I made that clear before. Mm. It is about the art, you know, the sword, the stone, King Arthur, mm-hmm. Round Table, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and I really like that you know they're taking their their culture that does exist and updating it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good for them. Yeah, so I would I, I pile on, uh, agree one hundred percent. Watch the trailer. Oh, you're looking forward to that too. Yeah, yeah. The trailer sold me for sure. It looks exciting. It looks creative. It looks fun. It looks like it could be very amusing, too. I'm also interested in Neil Berger's film, The Upside. This is, you know, I liked Limitless quite a bit, and I actually liked his 2008 film, The Lucky Ones, which co-starred Rachel McAdams and a few other people. And I like The Illusionist as well from 2006. So I'm curious what... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't see Divergent. That couldn't have interested me less. But I am interested in, in, you know, I saw the trailer. The chemistry between Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston uh, seems to work well. And so I'm kind of curious about that one. Um, I'm hoping it's, it's, it's decent. But, yeah, definitely the other two. So let's move on to, finally, February. Here we go. We have Catherine Hardwick, director of Twilight, Red Riding Hood, and 13, coming back in the new territory with Miss Bala, starring Gina Rodriguez and Anthony Mackie. It is an action crime drama. We have a remake of Jacob's Ladder. Because we need more demonic movies. There's a lot of demonic movies. I don't know that this one's a demonic movie. Are I never, you sure? Now, I, From the say, trailer? Here's the thing. Well, first of all, there is no trailer that we could find for this film, but... The original. There is an original film from 1990 starring Tim Robbins. I have not seen this, but it seems to be really kind of a play on Vietnam PTSD, you know? That seemed to be what it was really speaking to, about a man mm-hmm. who... Has demons. He has visions that he With sees. With demons. And there's, there's... I don't know. You know, there's, there's uh, things he can't tell what's reality and what's not... That seems to be what this is about, maybe minus the whole post-war trauma aspect of it. So that's what that is. Then we have an action thriller called Three Seconds, starring Anna de Armas and Rosamund Pike and Clive Owen. Oh, also Joel Kinnaman and Common. I couldn't find any information about this except that it's based on a book, I believe, of the same name. Then we have 
the following weekend. That's all one weekend. Then we have the following weekend, Lego Movie 2, the second part. This time directed by Mike Mitchell, not Lord and Miller. This is written by Lord and Miller, but also a couple other writers uh, pitched in. The original cast of the Lego Movie comes back with the addition of Tiffany Haddish and Stephanie Beatriz. That could be a lot of fun. I don't remember if Nick Offerman was in the first one, but he's in this one too. So basically, it seems like it's Legos in space. And I can't remember his main character's name, but Chris Pratt's character has to go and save his friends who've been captured and taken away to space. That same weekend, we have What Men Want, a remake of the Nancy Myers film, I believe. Uh, what Women Want? Am I wrong? Am I right? No, I Nancy Myers? We got yes, mixed up. You're fine. Anyway, What Women Want from 2002 is being remade by Adam Shankman with Taraji P. Henson as a woman who suddenly has the ability to hear what men are thinking. And it looks like it's got the same sort of storyline. Similar vibes. Absolutely. A little more comedic, maybe. A little more. Um, it does look of more today, funny. Yeah. You know? Uh, starring Tracy Morgan and Max Greenfeld and Wendy McClendon Covey. That same weekend, we have yet another Liam Neeson revenge action thriller called Cold Pursuit. Basically, it's Liam Neeson killing people in the snow. Basically. Well, he's taking revenge. Of course. Which he is. he's so good at. Um, taking And Laura Dern and Emmy Rossum also star in that. Uh, then we have a lovely little horror thriller called The Prodigy. Yet another um, child, maybe demonic sort of thing. It has an interesting trailer, I will say, that gets more and more creepy. That stars Colm Fior as a psychiatrist trying to help the child. Uh -huh. That following weekend, we have a big weekend. We have Alita, Battle Angel. Latest film by Robert Rodriguez. This is actually a co-creation with James Cameron, who's been working on the screenplay, and at one point was going to direct this film for the past 20 years. It stars Rosa Salazar, Christoph Waltz, Jennifer Connelly's in it, Mahershala Ali, uh, Jackie Earl Haley, and Michelle Rodriguez. Quite a big cast. Action sci-fi adventure film based on a manga. Isn't it romantic? Stars Rebel Wilson in what might be her first leading role. Oh, you know, I think you might be right. We'd have to double check that, yeah. but you might be right. She stars a woman who is trapped in romantic comedies. It stars Liam Hemsworth, the other Hemsworth, uh, Priyanka Chopra, Chopra, Betty Gilpin, and Adam Devine. Uh, this kind of reminds me of a John Candy movie called Delirious from the early 90s where he hit his head and suddenly he's in soap operas that he created. <laughs> you know, imagine that only for romantic comedies and she's someone who just hates romantic comedies. So that could be a fun little double feature. Yeah, possibly. Then we have the most anticipated, I'm sure, Happy Death Day to You. I'm trying to remember. I think it is actually a fairly well-reviewed horror from a while back. Lastly, we finish off February with How to Train Your Dragon, The Finally. World, directed by Dean Dubois. I was going to say Dean Dubois, but I think there's an L in that name, so Dean Dubois is his name. Apologies, Dean. Uh, it looks like we have the original complete cast from the previous two How to Train Your Dragon films with the addition of F. Murray Abraham as a villain. Also, we see Toothless has found love with a white dragon. A Next, dragon of light. Of right? course, because yeah. 
what is he? He's Dragon of Night. Right. <laughs> so we have Rhythm Section, which is another movie I wasn't able to find much information on. It is apparently a British-American action thriller directed by Reed Morano. It stars Blake Lively and Jude Law. From what I understand, it might be a spy film. Um, also, Sterling K. Brown stars in that. And then lastly, All-Star Weekend. Directed and written by Jamie Foxx with Jamie Foxx and Robert Downey Jr. and Ken Jeong, Gerard Butler, Benicio Del Toro, and Ava Longoria starring. And the premise of that is interesting. The film is about two friends who find themselves fans of opposing NBA stars. Why that would be a big deal, I don't know. But that's what we have. So, <laughs> Shanna, February, what excites you? Lego Movie 2 definitely excites me. I am thoroughly going to enjoy that. I just know it. And I hope so. Yeah. You know, I, I know that people get worried about what's going to happen with a sequel when, you know, the original, the first, did so well. Yeah. Like, are they going to mess it up? I don't think they're going to mess it up. It looks like they're, they're going to be just fine. Mm. And then Alita Battle Angel. It just looks really special. It looks like... I hope so. It feels like a lighter, more feminine version of Blade Runner. Like if we were a version where we were going to, you know, be protecting the robots, protecting the, the, what do they call them, Blade Runner? Replicants. The replicants. So that's what it feels like to me. Mm. And then, of course, isn't it romantic? It's going to be a girl's night for me. Uh, that looks like fun. I especially love in the trailer when it's obviously the morning after and she's like, I don't remember any of that. Get over here. And it keeps looping. With Liam Hemsworth. <laughs> with Liam yeah. Hemsworth. And it's like, it just looks hilarious, especially just for that. So. Yeah. So here's the thing. Lego Movie 2 concerns me. The, the previous two Lego movies have not measured up to the original Lego movie, which was a creative and commercial and critical success. I think we have uh, to remember that those were already existing th things, like Ninjago, that's already an existing TV show, um, the Batman, I mean, there's so much Batman out there. Yeah, well, I don't think that necessarily matters. Like, you make a good movie, you make a good movie. Uh -huh. And I, I think that it's been diminishing returns since the original Lego movie, which I think is one of the best animated films of the decade. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping I'm hoping they can recapture that with Lego Movie 2 and be just as creative. I'm excited about Isn't It Romantic. One quick thing about Alita Battle Angel is Robert Rodriguez hasn't made a good movie in 10 years. And that was Planet Terror. And people kind of huh. would debate that even. Like, Sin City was before that. So like, I think I'm hoping, yeah, I'm hoping that this doesn't this doesn't become another film that kind of reads hollow, is all style over substance, and things like that. Kind of the next Valerian. Yeah, yeah. The, but what I'm really looking forward to is How to Train Your Dragon three because that series has yes. been solid and among the best of the decade, hands down, and definitely the best fran best franchise to come from DreamWorks. So. I'm looking forward to uh, Lego Movie 2, Isn't It Romantic, How to Train Your Dragon 3, the most. So that's our winter movie preview. What movies are you most looking forward to? Please email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. And now it's time for film faves. And pie. Because <laughs> <What? laughs> it's going to be after Thanksgiving. Oh, it's going to okay. be time for pie. 
All right, so uh, Film Faves is inspired by a segment of the Gibson Review where I would count down 12 favorite movies around a particular topic, often marching backwards through time. That is what we do in this segment of our podcast. We started with 2016. We are now wrapping up the 90s. Last episode was 1990. And in this episode, we're going to be focusing on the decade, the 90s. The trick is we could only choose movies that are available to stream on the platforms we support. You see, the purpose of Film Phase is partially uh, open you up to movies you've never heard of. And when we do that, we try to direct you in where you could find these movies on streaming platforms. We speak to particularly Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime, and HBO Now. So that typically is... is a lot of different options for people to, to find here and the main core options pick, pick typically for subscription services. In addition to that, of course, this gives a, you an idea of our taste in films too and, and get, uh, get to know us through film. So uh, with that, uh, Shannon, do you want to talk about a little bit of the formulation of your list and as you get into what your number 12 is? I think if you look at my list, you'll find that there's, there's quite a bit of variety to it. There's a little sprinkling of family, whereas in the last episode I had a lot of family movies on my list. And there's just more variety. There's about two animated films in here. There's something really deep and sad. There's something really deep and disturbing but hilarious. There's a comedy or two. It's quite a nice list, actually. It's quite balanced, I think. So what was number 12 for you? My number 12 is Schindler's. Not because it's like a bad movie, but because I oh, guess... Oh, you know, if it's a bad movie. Well, it's at the bottom. Oh. So I guess I'm trying to put into perspective, like, this is this is what I prefer to watch. Okay. You know? Yeah. Number one is, like, the one I'd like to watch the most. Sure. Yeah, your absolute favorite. Yeah. And, you know, Schindler's List, it's all about someone who's trying to help out during the atrocities of World War II in Germany, specifically with the Jewish people. And Liam Neeson's character, he's not out for revenge <laughs> this time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's actually, he's trying to save Jewish people by giving them jobs to help supply the war. Yes. So he's actually getting rich off of it, and then he learns that he can actually help. Instead of him having a particular set of talents... <laughs> He's hiring a bunch of people who have a particular set of talents. Yes. And thus saving their lives. For a change. Yes. Very cool. Where can people find Chinlo's List? Oh, they can find it on Netflix. Excellent. So with my list, I, f I find it incredibly challenging when we just narrow to what's available to stream. Uh, even if it's an entire decade's worth of movies. Oh, I was quite happy with the selection. Well, very good. <laughs> but for me, like, it also sucked because a couple of my selections, like, just got removed off their platforms in the past 48 hours. Mm -hmm. So that then I had to redo my list, and it took me some time. So uh, with that said, oh, and also I think 1992 is the only year that doesn't have a movie represented on my list as a result of this. So my number 12, though, is Maverick, which is from ah. 1994. Yep. It's available on HBO Now. It is a delightful and fun little western. Of course, one of many movies based on TV shows that came out in the 90s. I think you'll hear from at least one other one on this list today. But this was a, a comedy that starred... 
uh, Mel Gibson and Jodie Foster, James Garner, of course, of the original Maverick TV show, James Coburn, and I think you'll see Alfred Molina has an appearance in the film. This was basically Jodie Foster at her comedic best. I haven't seen her in a better comedic role than this one. And actually probably her sexiest I've ever seen her in in her entire career. And so she's a real standout for me in this film. Of course, Meryl, Mel Gibson is his, his normal charismatic self. And it's just a fun, delightful movie. So I love Maverick. And so I made it into my top 12 favorite 90s movies. Shannon, what's your number 11? My number 11 is available on Hulu. It's Fantasia 2000. Now I know people oh. will be like, oh, but it's a sequel. Ah, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> but, you know, if you look at the history of Fantasia, you'll find that Walt Disney wanted to make this a regular thing. He wanted to take different pieces of music and essentially make his own MTV right. um, yeah. through animation. Yeah. <laughs> and, Only with, uh, you know, classical music. Yeah, and I just freaking love the concept sometimes it's very you know literal it's very they choose a story like the tin soldier for one of the pieces of music and sometimes it's very abstract and uh, you know it's just it's really fun and some of these pieces of music i never used to have an emotional connection to but i always get an emotional connection after watching fantasia or fantasia 2000 so that is my pick i think it's a colorful spectacle I think kids should be exposed to this as soon as possible because it does create those connections in your brain with the pieces of music. Very cool. That is an excellent pick as well. My next uh, pick is The Truman Show, which is available on Netflix. This is, of course, the Peter Weir film starring Jim Carrey as a man who discovers... His Life is a TV show, and it's directed by Ed Harris. This was at a time when, you know, Jim Carrey, he was known for Ace Ventura and The Mask and Dumb and Dumber, and this was in 1997, if I'm not mistaken, probably one of the best films of that year. A great year for movies, by the way. And he kind of decided to do something a little bit different one of his first dr- dramatic works, sort of, even though it's kind of com- comedy drama. And I think he gives a really great performance. This film, of course, as I've, I've talked about before in terms of it being a not necessarily prophetic film, but it is definitely one that is a timely film and spoke to what, uh, what came in the next decade, essentially. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, a great film that really holds up. I enjoy it quite a bit. The Truman Show, available on Netflix. Shannon, what's your 10th favorite film of the 90s? My number 10 is available on Prime, and it's Baji on the Beach. Oh, Baji on the Beach. Yeah, I, I love this film. It's a film about several different women who are in a particular family, and it's an Indian-British family. And, you know, it's different generations, different views of life, different experiences. You've got someone who has decided that they are gay. You've got someone who is very old and has lived through, you know, being restricted due to, you know, different expectations that are held upon upon women of that time. And, you know, with a sprinkling of their culture, too. 
And then you've got someone who needs to divorce her husband because he keeps hurting her um, and is going to borderline hurt her children. So it's a lot of judgment in the beginning, a lot of judgment, a lot of lack of understanding, a lot of will to try and understand each other where each person is coming from and just letting each other live their lives. But near the end of the trip, there's a lot of understanding gained and judgments are kind of shattered, Mm. which is just lovely. And it's Gurinder Chadha's directorial debut, too. And a lot of good things came from that on down the line, too. Gurinder So that's awesome. My next movie is The Coen Brothers' Fargo from 1995. Why is it so low? <laughs> uh, is available on HBO now. You know, when I think of that film, I have to say the first thing that comes to mind, and it's probably not the case for most people, but the first thing that comes to my mind is that opening title sequence with that score by Carter Burwell and just that that landscape of nothingness that slowly comes into view like this um, this sedan comes into view and is driving towards the camera I just I just love for some reason the simplicity of that and and yet the epicness that's suggested through the score of, of that uh, that opening, but of course you know everybody that is involved in this is is worth praising. William H Macy, Francis McDormand, Steve Buscemi, all of them are characters that you never forget. You know, I think this film is the Coen Brothers' best film, if not easily among their three best films. Of their career to date still so i absolutely love it i know it's the more popular coen brothers film but i think there's a reason for that and it's really held up well hmm. so that's a uh, fargo available on hbo now my number nine is galaxy quest available on hulu or prime that's Ooh, two options <laughs> uh, galaxy quest is this you know a geek stream and I, I feel like it's a really fun one because it's about this sort of sci-fi TV show stars. There's about six or seven of them. Yeah. And, they, you know, it's been years since their show ended, but they're still doing sort of Comic-Con type events mm-hmm. um, and specific events to their TV show. And all of a sudden, they get approached by an alien culture for their help because they have seen the TV show and they have seen what they are capable of and right. it's a lot of fun. Yes, absolutely. That is that is a great one. Everybody And it's I think my favorite is Alan Rickman. Oh yeah. And Tony Shalhoub. Yeah. And Tony Shalhoub, he's just just so chilled. He's just like Yeah. yeah. Man, this is great. How, <laughs> how did you guys do this? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. And then you've yeah. got Alan Rickman, who is just so goddamn uptight. He's just so yeah. upset. And you can tell his history of acting is actually some sort of Juilliard theater, sort of yeah. British, uh, you know, Shakespearean Four background. Calls. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's very entertaining seeing all these different characters. And uh, I think that Sigourney Weaver, it's always nice to see her, especially in that kind of film realm yeah and it's just it's great awesome very cool my next film is going from one epic crime film to another of the 90s la confidential which is available on netflix 
this is an all-star cast film great ensemble one of the best reveal movies of the decade there's a few of those uh, kinds of movies and you know usual suspects the sixth sense la confidential was one of them as well rollo tomasi for those who are trying to remember what that is kevin spacey kim basiner you know russell crowe uh became well known because of this movie i think also guy pierce also who went on to be in memento also broke out in this film David Strathairn, who you love, Shanna, is mm-hmm. in the film. It's just a solid cast. Solid crime film. Danny DeVito, by the way. On the hush, hush. Um, <laughs> it's just great. I love that that film. That is a great cast. And you can enjoy it on Netflix. My number eight is available on Netflix. It's The Truman Show. Oh, it is? Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I, I feel like you brought up some really great points. The angle that I'm coming from is I feel like this is going to be such a great film to be able to view every decade or so with a different generation because for my gran, when this movie came out, she was horrified that a child was, you know, watched for every second of its life mm. up until, you know, adulthood. But she was also very curiously watching because of her obsession with soapies. Ah. So it's this very interesting, she brings a very interesting perspective to it. And I was kind of like, well, this is interesting. I mean, I wouldn't mind partaking in a scientific experiment like this. What could we learn? And, you know, I'm thinking about the generations where they're used to taking selfies every 20 seconds and (laughs) every day, all the time. Talk, you know, you've got a generation of, kids who want to be youtubers and they're right. filming and talking about everything and right. documenting their lives would this movie seem odd to them i'm very curious yeah. so i feel like it's an important film yeah. especially for that for that reason that is interesting awesome very cool i didn't i wouldn't have thought that would be on your list that's awesome number eight for me is the blair witch project and shanna's off <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Anytime I bring up this movie, she leaves the room. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, I think, the only 1999 movie that made my list, if I'm not mistaken, because of its uh, streaming ability. It is available on Amazon Prime and Hulu. It is the great horror film. Uh, the creme de la creme of found footage films about a documentary crew who go into the Blair Woods, I guess, uh, the woods in Blair, to investigate this legend about a witch and it has a lot of history and, and folklore related to, to her in, front, in that community. It, it's, a, it's a very clever piece of filmmaking, how they went about making the uh, sort of improvised nature of people's responses and the structure it makes it more real yes it does become a bit of an argument like just one fit after another amongst them but what you're really witnessing is you know how a group dynamic can just slowly unravel when terror sinks in and there's no way out. So, that's the Blair Witch Project, uh, available on Amazon Prime and Hulu. 
My number seven is available on Hulu, yay. Although for the longest time, this was on Netflix. For like the longest time. You're back, yay. It, it, yes, I am. If you heard me in the background, I apologize, but we're not going through that again. <laughs> so my number seven is Ever After, starring Drew oh. Barrymore. Really? Okay. And it's just this beautiful take on the Cinderella story. And I just, I love watching Drew Barrymore. I wish she was in more stuff, but mm-hmm. I especially, I think this is one of my favorites of hers. And I, I love the way that they tell the Cinderella story in here. It's very interesting. Where can you find that? Hulu. Uh, my next film is the other movie based on a TV show. And I think one of probably the five best ever it is The Fugitive, starring Harrison Ford and, of course, Tommy Lee Jones, of course, uh, who won... Best Supporting Actor for his role in this. Um, I believe I had talked about how he probably stole that from somebody like Johnny Depp. or Yes, I believe Johnny Depp. This movie came out in 1993. That's right. So uh, Dr. Richard Kimball is accused of murder. Tommy Lee Jones just doesn't care if he did it or not. He needs to get, get, him, get him back into prison because Richard Kimball has run away. Basically trying to solve the mystery himself figure out who actually killed his wife. Uh, his wife played by Sailor Ward. Very difficult for me to watch the murder scene uh, because I like Sailor Ward quite a bit. <laughs> She's quite the beauty. So. That's so sad. But this is a great film. It's got a great score as well, one of my favorite scores of the 90s. And uh, Harrison Ford's doing something a little bit less action-y here, which is kind of refreshing. Probably his bigger one of his greater successes in a non-action film. So I enjoy it quite a bit. It was a huge hit when it came out in 1993. That is The Fugitive, available on HBO now. My number six is available on Prime. Yay! I I do love my Prime. (laughs) (laughs) It means I can watch shows on the Echo in the Kitchen. Yeah, you got quite a bit on your list on there. So number six for me is Usual Suspects. Uh, This was a film I was introduced to for the first time about six years ago, this time of the year, actually. And I was fascinated with this film at the, it's a it's a crime film mm-hmm. it's a very twisty turny crime film mm-hmm. you think you know what's going to happen and then no you're stupid you haven't seen this before you know nothing as so, i mentioned one of those big reveal movies yeah so. yeah you know if you've been exposed to a lot of things like simpsons or the family guy where they make pop culture references you've probably you probably are going to see a lot revealed in this mm. Uh, Kevin Spacey, great performance. Chaz Palminteri, that's a great, uh, great cast. Brian Singer, uh, I'm realizing in hindsight that film's full of controversy. Now yeah, isn't that of, interesting? It's such a shame. Why do you guys have to be such dicks? <laughs> but uh, you're right, a very good crime film. My halfway point movie number six is Goldeneye. Available. Really? Yes, absolutely. That Available. was my first James Bond film. Oh, really? Yeah. No kidding. Well, that was a really good one It was a little confusing. Oh. Because what year did it come out? 1995. Yeah, it was eight. It was a little confusing. Mm. I think eight's a bit soon to introduce kiddos to James Bond. Perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. But uh, this is available on Amazon Prime and Hulu, and it has always been one of my favorite James Bond movies ever. It is the best Pierce Bronson movie. This movie really reinvigorated the James Bond franchise, which had kind of been dormant for a few years at this point, uh, with 
a solid opening title sequence, a solid theme song by Tina Turner, a great villainous characters, LaShawn, Bean, uh, Funk Janssen, even Alan uh, Cumming in it. He was invincible! It's such a, a fun movie, great set pieces, awesome action, some of the best of the franchise. I, I love GoldenEye so much. It's always been, like I said, a favorite of mine, still is today. Even with such movies as Skyfall that's come out since. You know, those great films. So, that's my sixth favorite film of the 90s. Shanna, now that we're past the halfway mark, what is your number five? Well, I think it's going to be very fun because the next four films are from Netflix. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. So uh, you guys can go on there and have a little binge yeah, fest. <laughs> that's interesting. So my number five is Iron Giant. Okay. An animation film, a family film about a boy who comes across a alien robot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he really... Vin Diesel. Yes, he yeah. really needs to have a strong relationship with someone, and this is the perfect person, well, the perfect robot to have a relationship with. And he also opens up to a local artist, beatnik kind of artist. That's right, it's Harry taking, Connick Jr. It's starts, taking yeah. place in like the 1960s, 50s. It's Atomic Age, so I where are we? I say it's the 50s, but I could okay. be wrong. I think it's it like feels the because end of 50s, maybe like beginning of 60s. Lot. Yeah, maybe 60s, yeah. Okay. Maybe you're right. But it was a lot of Cold War paranoia that, yeah. that was taking place in. So uh, just a really great film, really comedic moments. Mm-hmm. If you want to see a kid have some espresso oh. and you weren't sure what would happen, yeah. go ahead and check out that film. Yeah, that, that's, I'm glad that's on your list. That almost made my list as well. My fifth favorite film, however, is Ghost in the Shell which is one of my all-time favorite anime films. It's available on Hulu, and we are not talking about the live-action film. You're messing up my streaming binge. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) at least Hulu has something worthwhile. Um, That's not always the case, but this is definitely one of them. If you've never seen anime and you're interested in really smart sci-fi, go to Ghost in the Shell. Because this is all smart. It's so it's so intelligent. It's so philosophical that you have to really pay close attention to actually follow the basic plot of the movie. Because there's just so much other stuff going on. And you're kind of like, wait, what's happening there? What's happening there? I promise you, upon repeated viewings, it all becomes clearer and clearer. But there's so much to chew on in this film about what makes us human. What is a soul? And... You know, what's the difference between an android and, and a human and what makes an android alive? And it's just so much great sci-fi stuff. So I, I absolutely love Ghost in the Shell. I will, always, I will always love Ghost in the Shell. And it is always going to be um, one of my probably three go-to anime films. We will get to the other go-to anime film in, in uh, next year when we get into the 80s. Go check this one out on Hulu. My number four is Sixth Sense. This is a film that we just recently watched with our son. It's available to stream on Netflix. So if you'd like to watch it with your child, go ahead. This is also a sort of, there's going to be surprises. Yeah, it's a reveal movie. Yeah, yeah reveal the, movie. The first big one with M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. yeah, a good film of his. And very good um, symbolism of the color of red. If you ever want to try and 
dip your toe into color theory and you know uh, color use in films this is a good one to study mm. the color red with uh, to interpret it in different ways I, I really love the bravery of Haley Joel Osmond in this film I, I think I miss that that kiddo it's a hell of a so, performance from someone so young yeah yeah and I love the story as scary jumps you know that you get I, I'd like to watch it again. I'm okay watching it again. I'm kind of on the same level as with this one as I am with the others. So mm-hmm. that also I don't a mind. big reveal movie, but yeah. came out in the following decade. That I don't mind, you know, mm-hmm. repeated viewings. Uh, you know, and it's one of the best PG-13 horror films ever made. Uh, really, and it's the, probably the one that first popularized that trend. Well, it know? it ends so well. Mm-hmm. It yeah. makes it okay yeah because this is something that other kids do experience this is something that other adults do experience to some extent Mm -hmm. different with each individual and so i like that it doesn't completely villainize its concept yeah yeah that's awesome yeah that almost made my list too great great pick my number four however is robin hood prince of thieves which is available on netflix oh i must have missed that Yay! Oh, did you? Oh. Let's join the stream binge. Come on. <laughs> so, uh, of course, this was one of my favorite, all-time favorite movies of 19... What is it? 1991 that it came out in? We talked about it in a recent episode. So, you know, and, 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 and because it was so much fun, and because it was, you know, probably my second favorite film of that year, yeah, I think it came out the same year as Terminator 2, as a matter of fact. And that was kind of hard to beat Terminator 2. Um, because it was so high, it had to be in my top five for this list. And it's still available to stream. Yes. Uh, I, I, I don't care what people say. I, you know, I, I don't care what people say. It's a lot of fun. It has great set pieces. I love it when the Celts are recruited by the Sheriff of Nottingham. And there's that big forest battle in the... In, in, uh, what is that? Sherwood Forest? Yeah, Sherwood Forest. I love that whole sequence. I love this, the, the climactic sequence in um, the castle with the execution show. <laughs> the execution show, hey. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the display. Who are the, we executing yeah. today? Right, yeah. Um, it's the merry men. So, no, that I love that. You have the close-ups of the arrow shooting in the midair and stuff. And, oh, there's just so much. I, I really cannot hate on this movie. I can't fathom hating on this movie. I am sorry, Hate me, if you will, but I love Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. It's my fourth favorite film of the 90s. My number three is L.A. Confidential, available on Netflix. Ah, see? Yeah. Great film. Another one I showed you. I love the film noir of this uh, beautiful piece of work. I love the lighting. I love the gels. I love the everything. <laughs> um, it's very smooth. It's very glossy. It's very glamorous, and it's just really enjoyable to watch. We watched this... After I think we had been flying for like 20 hours and we yeah. had another six hours to go. And guys, yeah. I was really losing my shit. <laughs> like I, I was barely holding in there. And then Jeff was like, okay, let's just watch this one. And you'll like it because it's crime. I know yeah. how much you like crime. And right. it calmed me down because like, yeah, it really was a good distraction. Yeah. Great film. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, so that's your third favorite movie and available on Netflix in case you didn't catch it before. My third favorite movie is also a crime film from 1995. It was my favorite film of 1995. It is Seven, starring Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, and Gwyneth Paltrow, directed by David Fincher. 
I think, you know, you have your LA Confidentials and your Fargo and your usual suspects, and those were all great crime films of the decade. Other great crime films came out, like Goodfellas and such. This was also a really great reveal film, too. A reveal of a cast member who actually had only been in film for a handful of years before this, but boy, oh boy, <laughs> was he creepy in this film, and he really sold this oh, yeah. the, the methodology of John Doe. I remember watching it and being like, oh, wow, it's him, when, when it came time for him to reveal himself. You need to not eat while watching this film, I You know, feel. it's funny you say that, because one of my memories of watching this movie, I think it really, like, bewildered my dad, was it was one of those days in my teen years, um, I would watch a movie while eating lunch. And I decided to watch Seven while eating lunch. God. I do, I do not think I was bothered at all by it. Oh, but okay. I, most people, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. And I you, couldn't. And, you know. Like, I could nervously eat popcorn while watching it. Right, like, right. that could work. A nervous yeah. food is good yeah. to have. But, yeah, uh, great film. A uh, lot to scratch under the surface of. There's actually some... I think there's some richness in the characters between Brad Pitt's character and Morgan Freeman. Freeman's character and you know a very wet film you know it's the environment it always is rainy it's always dark it's always gloomy very good cinematography good use of green mm. yeah so it's a I love it seven I've always loved it it's available on Netflix it's my third favorite film of the decade of the 90s what's your second favorite film love my number two again available on Netflix for your enjoyment is Groundhog Day, starring Bill Murray, reliving the same day over and over and over and over and over again. And you know what? It's not just any day. It's Groundhog Day. So it's like, what is that? The 3rd of February? Something like that. Or the 6th of February? You know, where you're like, you're so done with winter. You're so done. And you're barely holding in there because you haven't had enough exposure to sunlight you haven't had enough happiness yeah. it's been a very cold two fucking months yeah. if not longer and <laughs> so like the mental state he must have been in just from like a normal person experiencing never yeah. mind his own issues and this film ends so awesome and he really takes advantage of that eventually he takes advantage of that time that he has because he's like oh i'm gonna learn piano right. and oh i'm gonna learn this and i'm gonna learn that i'm like that's such a good fucking idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so great. So he really works on himself and it's it's time travel, essentially, sort for of. me. He's stuck in time. That's okay. It's still, it's a traveling of time of some sort. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. That movie also almost made my list. That's a mm. great pick. So my second favorite film of the 90s is Pleasantville. Oh, of course. Directed by Gary Ross. It's available on Hulu. Hulu does have amazing things. Mm. I won't have you slam Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> I think actually half of my list might be on Hulu, as a matter of fact, this time. Yes, I've um, got about four. So, Reese Witherspoon and Tobey Maguire, I love them both in this movie, especially Reese. Reese has actually emerged to be one of my favorite actresses, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. of, of the modern era. Pretty clearly, I think. As I'm, Yeah, yeah. I love her. I don't think I love all of her movies, but I love her. She's pretty great. She's great in this movie as this randy teenager who can't stand being sucked into some sanitized 50s family TV show. 
you know, where people are completely oblivious to sex and, and all the things uh, that teenager gets interested in. But she also has her own arc and, and grows into a substantive character. Jeff Daniels is delightful in this film. Joan Allen's great. J.T. Walsh. William H. Macy is daffy as always in this film. It's a beautiful film. The, the colors, you talk about colors, Shanna. The color in this film is quite extraordinary, especially at the time, which mm. was 1998, if I remember correctly. It was quite quite something to see color mixed with black and white in the way that it does it was very daydreamy too Mm. so you not only had this very interesting color palette happening Mm. but it was made to be very daydreamy i i loved that aspect of it i love of course the race aspect of it the conform anti-conformist aspect of it it's just a wonderful beautiful film and i think it's an you know like other movies we've talked about over the past several episodes, it's one of those that I think is largely forgotten and needs to be rediscovered. So discover it on Hulu. What's your favorite film, Shanna? My number one is Fargo, which is available on HBO. And it is my favorite film practically of all time. Like if I had like your all-time top ten list, it would be up there. And it wouldn't be near the bottom like yours. Oh, wow. <laughs> this film just like excites me and thrills me and I love Francis in this film. I I love everybody in this film. I think everybody you know when you can tell actors and actresses are having a freaking good time mm-hmm. doing a particular role. I feel like as disturbing as some of these characters are, I feel like they were all having a really good time. Mm. And it's a Cohen Brothers film, as mm-hmm. you had probably mentioned. And you know, if you if Jeff ever is like, well, do you want to watch this? It's the Coen Brothers. And I'm like, who's that? Fargo. And I'm like, yes, yes, put it in now. <laughs> yes, well, hopefully this film sears the Coen Brothers into your mind so you never... Well, it's it. I know it now. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, for a while there I wasn't registering. Mm. What Very is your cool. number one? So my favorite movie of the decade, and this is a great list, I love this entire list I've made. But interestingly enough, I landed on Jerry Maguire from 1996. Oh my God. It is always that film. Oh, I thought you were going to regret your choices no. and having no, forgotten. I do not regret my choices. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this film features often as your number one. Well, here's the thing. Uh, first of all, A League of Their Own was not available to stream. So I couldn't do that. <laughs> You know, and interestingly enough, both movies are sports movies, which is not a genre I would necessarily think would feature in my my favorite, my most favorite, my creme de la creme of any decade. But in this case, it does, absolutely. And, you know, I, I, Cameron Crowe is absolutely a factor here. This is his, what, third film, I think? Say Anything Singles, then, I think, uh, Jerry Maguire. Oh, and it was, of course, his most popular film. It was Best Picture nominee. Of course, Cuba Gooding Jr. was most popular for having won the Best Supporting Actor Oscar for this. Who didn't hear the whole, like, show me the money thing. But there's way more to this film. Uh, It's a great film about being an entrepreneur, doing the right thing, quality over quantity, in life and in work. 
I will trip over myself with this movie. I love this movie. I have still the special edition DVD, and I will not replace that thing. It has great commentary. Renee Zellweger, never been as good as she is in this movie. So, and uh, Tom Cruise is fantastic as well. So, yeah, I love Jerry Maguire. It's my favorite movie of the decade. Shoot me. But what is your favorite movie available to stream right now of the 90s? Feel free to email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. That is going to do it for us with this episode of The Movie Lovers. Shannon, before we move on to what's next on our schedule, let us know how we can find you on the internet. You can find me on Instagram at Shanna underscore Paxton, S-H-A-N-N-A underscore P-A-X-T-O-N. Well, that was easy. (laughs) So you can go to thegibsonreview.com to find past articles and episodes on there. You can go to, of course, Facebook, the Gibson Review, to find everything linked there, as well as three third-party article links. And go to Flickchart. Find me on there. Gibson 99. I have lots of movies I've seen. You can check them out. Shanna, the next episode of The Movie Lovers, we will be covering... Ah, yes, this will probably be our one main review for the rest of the year. It will be Creed 2 we will be reviewing. So we'll be catching up on a couple Rocky films. We already caught up on Rocky 2 recently. Guys, we talked about help. Rocky 1. I don't think I can take much more of this. Oh, you'll just be kidding. just fine. <laughs> just you wait till you see Creed. Uh, and then we'll also be counting down our favorite movies, uh, favorite sports movies. And if I can, I'm going to wrangle a special guest for that episode, too, to join us. So look for that December 11th. That'll be episode 44. Until then, hopefully you've all had a lovely holiday. Take care of yourselves out there and keep loving the movies. Bye-bye. So it's, it's going to be very exciting. And we just watched the documentary about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ruth Bader Ginsburg? We just watched the documentary about RGB. So uh, I am... RBG. We no, just watched... RGB. Shut You're up. Right. Is it RGB or RB? Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Bader. RBG. Available on Hulu. Uh-huh. And it's the best film because it's number one. Okay. Is Fargo. Because uh-huh. Because that's where it belongs. I don't yeah. know why it's on the bottom of your list. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Another film I, I showed you and yeah. you absolutely loved. Oh my gosh. When I watched this, I was just baffled at like what I was scene i couldn't believe what i was seeing it was very fascinating it's actually on hbo now not hulu well i'll just start again then won't i <laughs> okay I totally wrecked it sorry <laughs> lady go. knows you fucked up <laughs> i didn't know such thing i have it noted here it was on hulu i swear i will lady why why are we all of a sudden barking near the end hey logan Logan, will you come comfort Lady real quick? Yeah. Okay, quietly. We're almost done. Okay, here we go. Hold on. Are you double checking it? Yeah, I'm double checking okay, it. Okay, right. Maybe, I, your ass maybe I don't have to repeat myself. Yeah, maybe you could prove me wrong for It'll once. Be lo- You're. Were you gonna say it would be you lovely? Fucking little asshole. <gasps> little. <laughs> <laughs> Will you 
you get it in now? Come on now. HBO now. Yeah, but. No Hulu. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You ready? Mm.